can have a seat just changes everything has been the theme of these four weeks in preparation for what's coming to Bettendorf Christian. You know, as our staff ministers have opened up their areas of focus and spent some good deal of time doing that, I was hoping that your response would be, well, this explains everything instead of this threatens everything. I mean, change can be scary, but we do not give in to fear, but into opportunity. So whatever is new or different, we intend to be more biblical and more working effectively with God's Spirit than we've ever been before. We want to reach more people for Jesus, not less. And so to do that, it calls for us all to pitch in and look at that. So you're going to need this next week to come. We hope that at the end of all this, we'll be able to know that as this vision leads us forward, because you don't look backward, but forward to be able to help us accomplish Christ's mission to make disciples of Jesus. At the end of this, we could all step back and with profound joy say, well, this transforms everything. And that word comes from the Bible in a text that we're going to carefully study starting next Sunday. You'll need this or bring your Word of God, you know, app ready. Even those who are at home, you too can get that text out. Um, let me just say something about the, the results of the church survey uh, that have come out. I want to let you know, those of you responded on there, we listened. And I'm going to bring a seriousness to the preaching and to the application needed. And then you'll see other adjustments in our worship. That's why you're going to need your Bible so we can participate in the reading of that text. And uh, we'll just kind of let you know there are changes along the way. And just want to thank you for your input. So that word, before these guys come today, the ministries we're looking at, students and missions, I want to grab a hold of one use of that word transform. It comes from 2 Corinthians 3. That is a letter written to a church, and the apostle seems to play off the word letter. Not as in it's etched in stone or it's papyri. He says instead, he comes down to verse 2 and 3. Paul says, you are our letter, written on our hearts. You are a letter as if hand-delivered from Christ, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You know, in this church, we don't put out a creed or policies or positions that you have to, you know, uh, agree and sign on the bottom line to be a part of us. No, it's just Christ alone that binds us together. These are real people that God puts in our lives. From their heart to another heart to another heart, as we're trying to model this same way, and this is what we believe will get us into action for the sake of God's kingdom. And our sufficiency, what qualifies us, it does not have to do with how many Bible studies I went to or how long I've been a Christian or, you know, degrees from a seminary or, you know, how many years in my field of service. He says, no, rather, it comes from God himself. Verse 6, he makes us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. And he goes on talking about the life-giving ministry of the Spirit, full of surpassing glory and freedom. And then verse 18, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So Christ in you, in me, in us, this heart thing, that's what we do in church. You get caught up in the purpose of the church, and it will transform you. 
because the power lies in that it's centered around this one. The one who everything starts with and ends with, Alpha and Omega, Jesus is the, the changer himself. So Jesus changes everything is because of that glorious look that we're after, that everyone being molded and modeled into this image of Christ. And that's what happens as we do this together, working with others. So Barry Steiner uh, is going to come out first and just sharing from his own self, his own heart, and lays out to get your involvement. And then he's going to be followed by mission man, Mike Walker. So please share with us, brothers. I know who I am. I'm the youth and family minister here at BCC. And as I get started this morning, sh morning sharing a little bit about our student ministry, I'd like to share a part of the 71st Psalm with you. Now, this is a psalm that was written by David, and it was a psalm that was written um, towards the end of his lifetime. And in fact, it was a time that uh, he was being pursued uh, by his enemies. And the crazy thing about it, though, in the midst of this psalm, he has these two verses that really stick out to me. And they stick out to me because I truly feel like it is a call uh, to student ministry. So let me share uh, verses 17 and 18 with you. He says this, he says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Now when I look at this scripture, I see a couple of things, and the first thing I see in this passage is this, is David himself had served God from his youth. You know, from his earliest days, he had been obedient to the Lord's calling, and God has used this part of his life to serve. And, and David has made a difference in the world. And as a student minister, one of the things I enjoy and love about student ministry is I have the opportunity to challenge teenagers. You know, I want to challenge them to, to do the same thing that David did, to be obedient to the Lord's calling starting from their earliest stage and make a difference in the world around them by being a kingdom worker. Another thing I think we see here is this, that even in the midst of everything that's happening to David at this time in his life, even though he's being pursued by his enemies and he's even crying out to God through the rest of this psalm, David is not thinking primarily about himself and the troubles that he is experiencing during this time. Instead, what he wants to do is he wants to think about and pray about the coming generation. See, he understands that they are in desperate need of instruction in the truth of God's word. So this is another reason that I enjoy being a student minister so much. And it's a reason that we desperately need more adults to join us. Because our students, they desperately need instruction in the truth of God's word. So again, we need adults. We need adults who are caring and loving, who want to serve Christ in a terrific way. Because through serving in student ministry, those who, who have that opportunity, those who do and serve on a weekly basis with us, they have the opportunity to invest in and disciple this generation of teenagers and again, I feel like more than ever, they are in desperate need of instruction in the truth of what God's word says. 
I don't want to sound pessimistic this morning, but truly look at the world in which we're living today. There's so much uncertainty. There's a lot of fear and loneliness. There's a lack of love and a lack of respect for other people. There's a ton of sin and a ton of darkness in the world in which we live. I need you to understand that teenagers, they need adults in their lives who can love them and who can encourage them, spend time with them and give them hope, disciple them and be an example of what it truly means and looks like to live for Christ. Charles Spurgeon, speaking of David in this passage of scripture, he writes, he would leave a record for unborn ages to read. He thought the Lord's power to be so worthy of praise that he would make the ages ring with it till time should be no more. For this cause believers live, and they should take care to labor zealously for the accomplishment of this, their most proper and necessary work. Blessed are they who begin in their youth to proclaim the name of the Lord and cease not until their last hour brings their last word for their divine master. Like David... Do you believe that God is worthy of your praise? Are you possibly someone who can invest in the lives of our students here at Bettendorf Christian Church? You know, I didn't want to come out here this morning and just throw a lot of statistics at you because there's a ton of them. But I think one that I was looking, just double-checking yesterday, um, the numbers of it have actually changed since I first got into student ministry. In fact, it caught my eyes so much I did want to share this one. Um, it's one I've shared before, but again, these statistics have changed since I first jumped into student ministry, and it kind of blew my mind. Um, this study is the most up-to-date research that Barna's done. It was done, actually completed, I believe, in June of this year, right here in 2020, and this is what it's found. It's found that 94% of all people who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior will do so before the age of 18. Again, times have changed. I think 20, 23 years ago or something like that, it was like 80% of all people did, but now it's 94% of all people. And the thing is, if this is true, I would argue that student ministry is one of the greatest mission fields that there are. The great thing about it is this. Anybody can do it. Whether it's a college student or a young single adult, maybe it's a young married couple or parents with small children, parents with teenagers, you work great as well, empty nesters, widows. In all the years that I've been in student ministry, I've had college-age students who have been some of the best middle school small group leaders I've ever had. I've had married couples with no teenagers of their own know how to communicate with teenagers like pros. I've had retirees in their 60s and 70s volunteer to chaperone or drive a bus or drive a van to different events. I've had 90-year-old widows who volunteered their time and have made sure to pray each and every day for every student in our ministry. It doesn't matter what stage of life you are in. All it takes is a willing heart and a love and a passion for teenagers. You know, this is what I want you to understand about the student ministry here at Bettendorf Christian Church. We put people before programs. And what I mean is this, programs are the fun events. They may attract students to our ministry, but it's the relationships that students have with each other and the relationships they have with loving and caring adults that keep them coming back week after week. 
And this is how they grow in their faith and how they grow in their love for Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to give you a few reasons why you should volunteer to join me in our student ministry. Number one, because you've all been there. If you're an adult sitting in this room today, you've been where they're at. You know what they're going through. You've experienced a lot of the things that they go through on a day-to-day basis. And I truly believe that God never wastes our experiences. God wants to use our own personal experiences to help teenagers navigate the things that they are going through. Another reason to volunteer is because you're needed. And you don't have to worry about being cool enough or being fun enough. I truly believe teenagers are old enough and mature enough to be challenged. And they really appreciate the time and energy and the effort and the commitment of our adult leaders. In this, they also realize how the entire church can become invested in their spiritual formation and maturity. Listen, the next reason to volunteer is to nurture your own faith. Student ministry is a lot of cool things, but it's not just about catchy lessons or the fun game or the great retreat or the food. And yes, all things are great, and yes, it makes it easy to want to attend our student ministry meetings, but listen, it's about the relationships that are made. It's about the time that we spend together with, the, with them, with, with adults, with students, It's the quest for understanding God's word together as followers of Christ. You know, yet another reason to volunteer is because volunteering in our student ministry, it does give you a place to use your God-given gifts and talents. You know, once we come to know Christ as our personal Savior, the Bible clearly calls us to share our testimony with our family and the community and the world and, and within our church. And volunteering not only in our student ministry, but our children's ministry is an incredible place to do that. And the final reason I'd like to share about why you should get involved in student ministry is because it can change a life. And I know that to be true because it absolutely changed mine. I truly believe I'm here today on this stage, not just on this stage, I truly believe I am a Christian today because of student ministry, because of the ministry I got involved in when I was in high school. It was a place where I felt like I belonged. It was a place that I knew I was loved. It was a place where I was encouraged to develop my relationship with Christ. In that student ministry, it didn't have a paid student minister. It was run by people just like you. People who love teenagers. And those volunteer adult leaders, they poured into my life, and it made all the difference in the world to me. And I feel like that's the same way with our leaders that we have here. We've got amazing, incredible student ministry leaders. They are truly making a difference in the lives of our teenagers. But if I'm going to be brutally honest with you this morning, we need more help. And this is where you can come in. About the time COVID started in March, things were going, I would say, really, really well within our program. I was excited. I thought it was heading in an incredible direction. 
We had about 70 and 80 students showing up every night, and that was on average. Sometimes we'd hit over 100, and students were inviting friends, and it was fun and exciting, and our students were learning about Jesus. Obviously, COVID hit. We've been off for several months, and for a number of reasons, you know, due to a lot of different things, um, we've actually had about 40% of our volunteers who are not going to be able to return and help us in the fall. Now, we've added a few more leaders but before the Sunday nights kick off, and actually they start up next week, both Sunday morning and Sunday night, and we need help on Sunday mornings as well. Now listen, we can function with what we have. But I know we can, man, I know we can totally exceed any expectation if we have a few more step up. And we can just make sure there's never a night where somebody isn't talked to or where somebody feels like, there wasn't enough adult leaders in the building to make sure their needs were met. So again, we start next Sunday night. And if something maybe that I've said this morning has touched your heart, maybe God's stirring or working and you're thinking, hey, I might be able to do that. Can I ask you just to uh, send me an email at barry at bettendorfchristian.org? And that's not, you're not making a commitment to me just by sending an email, but what it can do is it can allow us to dialogue, and it can allow me to at least explain to you kind of what it looks like to be our student ministry volunteer, and also the type of commitment that it entails. And, and I'll throw that out there right now. It does take a commitment. It's a commitment that I ask you to be here each and every week to love on these students and to share your life with them. And so if that sounds like something you want to do, that sounds like something you're interested in, please email me. Talk to me afterwards. I'll be out in the commons. But I'd love to have the opportunity to share with you because, again, I love my job, but it's a job that can't be done without you guys investing in it. So as I wrap up, I'd like to introduce a friend of mine to you. Some of you know this guy, but Mike, I'm going to have you come out. And uh, this is Mike Walker. He's part of our mission team, and he's going to kind of talk to you about opportunities to get connected to missions. Sounds good. Thank you, Barry. Good morning, church. From the book of Genesis, we know that there's a fall. And ever since that fall, we have a missionary God that's been trying to bring all of us back to him, reconciliation. We know in the Old Testament that God uses broken people that are just like you and I. Some actually didn't want to do it at all, and some felt completely like they were incapable of doing what God had planned for them. But God has different ideas, right? And so he sends people out to other people to give them the good news of the gospel. When Jesus Christ uh, was crucified and came back to life, before he ascended into heaven, he had a chance to talk to his disciples, and he actually gave them a command, and we find that in the 28th chapter of Matthew, where he says to the disciples, go. He sends them out as individual people. And the purpose is to go to their neighbors, to go even into Samaria, which in those days was not a good place because the Jews and Samaritans didn't really mesh. But then he sends them even further to go on to the ends of the earth. And the reason that he's doing that is because he wants everybody in the world to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But that's not the sole purpose of the message. The rest of the story is each of those people was to disciple somebody, and that takes time. That takes energy, and it takes commitment. So you make a disciple, 
those disciples then in turn make other disciples, and eventually the idea is we reach the entire world. So where we are today is in that same mix. We don't have a world that's completely reached, and we certainly don't have a world that is fully discipled. So the missions leadership team at Bettendorf Christian Church serves the purpose of making sure that people who are on the field are well taken care of to do that task on behalf of Jesus Christ. We pray for them. We make sure that they have funds. Uh, we Skype with them or Zoom with them. In fact, just this morning, I sent a text to Sarah Majeski, and she shot me one right back. So it's important that we continue to do that message to make sure that those who are sent are well cared for. Since the job is obviously incomplete, then we have to ask ourselves, what does this congregation have by way of an obligation? Every time that you give money to Bettendorf Christian Church, part of those funds goes to make sure that those missionaries are well-funded. When you pray for them, God hears those prayers. And we would ask and invite you to become even more involved than just being part of a congregation. If you are interested in funding one of our missionaries, come see us at Mission Central. If you're interested in knowing who those missionaries are, come to Mission Central and we'd be happy to introduce you to them. We have missionaries all over the world. We have them in Ukraine. We have them in the Middle East, and I can't tell you publicly um, right now exactly because of safety reasons where that is. Some of you know. We have missionaries in Jericho. We have them on the East Coast where, where they're dealing with military families. We have a member of our congregation that's taking care of people in Honduras, in El Salvador, and in Arizona where the Navajo mission is. We, uh, Central India, North Burma, I'm probably missing some. But our job as a congregation is to make sure that we are behind those people and we are supporting them. If you are interested in knowing more about it, please come to Mission Central. If you go out the main doors here, you go to the left, it's where we used to have Connect Central. And over time, we're going to be building that up to have pictures and more information so that you can read about our missionaries. Uh, the website has been repaired or fixed, however you want to put it. There are a number of our missionaries that are listed there. It is now accurate. Not all of our partners are there because of the size of the, of the uh, project to have them all there, but if you're interested in reading, you can. Another thing you can do, you see up on the screen, uh, if you text to that number, the volunteers that are on the team will get back to you and answer any questions you have about missions. And finally, the food packing that you heard Teresa talk about earlier in the uh, service, we do need volunteers that are able to help with, with making sure that that runs smoothly. So if you want to stop at Mission Central at the end of the service, we'll be there. I hope to see you there. We want the churches engaged in our missionaries as we possibly can. Thank you. So as I understood what they'd be talking about, I began to kind of write down some action steps, you should too, that are the things that you're hearing, what kind of comes upon you, and Barry was kind of laying out his uh, story, God drew him into, and then those of you who feel moved and interested in that, but here's something that we can all do, pray, pray for the ministry to students, these young people, because we want every young person in the Quad Cities to know Jesus. 
We don't want just kids. And the aim is not just good kids, but that they be gospel kids. And you know how important that is. And so we pray. And so whatever way, if you're going to, you know, get with his ministry, you contact him. But for all of us to be alongside them, encouraging and supporting them, that they, all those kids might belong to Jesus. And then missions kind of takes the lid off and blows that even bigger because we're not just talking about teens in America. Now we're going far wider than that. There are a lot more people in this world than just English speaking ones and they all need to know Jesus. So second word I got was the go that comes right out of that mission because God's concern and what he did in sending Christ to die and to resurrect him from life is to reconcile that world back to himself. Every single person on the planet, no one left out. So Mike kind of gave you an idea of areas around the globe, you know, from America and on outward from there, uh, areas that our missions group helps focus on and help us to get connected with. And then you got that, go to Mission Central and go find out more about these partners that we have. Find out how you, your family can support these in that going and giving them the message. And then I wrote down another one, uh, grow. <laughs> because with the pray and the go and the grow, this is exactly what's going to happen with you when you involve yourself in this work because Christ is at work. He is the ultimate changer. You believe that? No one believes that. Okay, well, I think you actually do. So let's try that again. I will ask you, uh, you just respond. Do you believe that Jesus changes everything for people? Yes. Do you believe he can change you? Yes. Uh-huh. And do you believe that if you involve yourself in these things, that he'll change you, you will personally grow? Oh, yes. So you're assimilating it. You're getting a hold of that now. Because that is, again, the one who is doing the work in our hearts as we do this and go about it. He's the one that's changing us and working on us. So I actually think you're not going to feel like you belong to a church unless you belong to its work. Or, stated more positively, let me just put out a few scriptures here kind of in a positive way to think, how does Jesus put it out there? So here we go, John 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And what is the big uh, from the beginning command? As I've loved you, love one another, John 13. Okay, uh, we ought to take a survey on that. You know, how well would you rank the loving of one another for yourself? You know, in what specific ways do you love them with Christ's love? You do that, you're going to be growing. And then the enemy verses. <laughs> yeah, because there is a devil, and he doesn't want us doing anything for Jesus or his church. Ephesians 3, make plain to everyone the way this mystery works, which was the plan kept hidden in the past. His intent was that now through the church to show the rulers and authorities in heaven the manifold wisdom of God. Now, when you hear the rulers, principalities, powers, and scripture, those are code words for spiritual beings as in forces of darkness that try to keep people from God. And you saw your place there in the church, and it's the church that God has chosen as his vessel to show them your involvement in these things, these ministries, means you are a part of the standing army and you're strong with your influence. It goes on Ephesians 6 saying, 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So there it is again. Pray with the spiritual armor on, and you're alongside the Lord's people when you do it. And then Jesus commands his disciples, you are my witnesses. <laughs> Uh, the go. So get your focus on someone who's still not there yet and bring them along. Bring them. Bring them into this picture. So there is nothing more that I can think will enliven you and get your growth going than you go get another spiritual seeker to join you in this. Maybe those online that you get somebody else in that picture to join you. And that is going to change you. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we can take many things for granted, right? When we're doing it all the time, what happened in the shutdown? Ah, there's so many things that we weren't going to take for granted anymore. We are so glad to get back. People are so glad to get back, like to church. There's a lot of smiles behind masks. <laughs> They're glad to be here. But you see, when we lose sight of that, when we take it for granted, we don't think about it and our blessing of just having the chance to be the church. Well, then we start to complain, you know, then the music's too loud, or what's wrong with the sermon, or, you know, how different things are. And, you know, it's almost like people, when they rate movies or restaurants or something, it's like, you know, church wasn't as good as I thought today. I'll give it two stars, you know, or, uh, hey, not bad, ministers, I'll give you 3.5 stars today. I mean, you know how to break that attitude? Get someone else who's not used to church into the picture. That'll change it. That'll change you. I watched the Disney's Aladdin uh, again, and uh, I was viewing it in a different way because, uh, you know, the scene, the whole new world and the magic carpet ride, I was looking at those incredible landscapes, and I kind of went there in my mind's eye. I thought, what would it be like that's real? And it was like the child's best dream opens your eyes, opens your senses. You get somebody in the picture not used to it, that's what's going to do. Because what you're going to do is you're going to be into that music so passionately wanting them to build a know Christ too and worship like that. You're going to be praying for the pastor's message to reach them so that their heart might be open to this good news. And then when you walk away from that thing, they are going to lay out to you what they saw, things you hadn't even thought of at church. Because to them, it's this whole new world, this whole new landscape, and the, you know, the thoughts that they had and the feelings that they had, and leading to some great conversations later. Because you took seriously. You're praying for somebody else. You're going, getting someone else. And the result is growth in your own life. See how Jesus worked? How he changes everything? works in these ways. Well, those are great action steps for us to take with us today. I do want to lead us into our time of communion. So if you take your cup that has the bread and the juice, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And this is a memorial. You know, we are very grateful for those whose lives were laid down in hard-fought battles 
that we might have freedom. And you know, even others lose their lives in 2020. We pray the result of that might be freedom and justice for those who do not yet have it. But you think about it, that would mean living free for what, 20 years, 40, 70 years? What the Son of God did is more than that. It's greater than any of those life sacrifices. Because when he laid down his life and he let himself be strung up on that cross and died, that would grant us freedom forever. And so that picture, remember the image of Christ into his image? Can you just imagine? He says, when you take this bread, he says, whether you eat it, you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. All right, Lord, we're going to do that. Would you pray with me? Oh, God, our Savior. Lord, fill our vision with a picture of you. We remember how you gave your life for us. Lord, thank you for freeing us from our sins. Thank you, Lord, for freeing us to serve. Our eyes are on you. Change us. Remake us for you. Love you, Lord. We're reminded of you. Let this, Lord, be now and not lose this as we just go from here. Keep it before us always. You. In your precious name we pray.